Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, How to Stand Out and Save Time on Social Media, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Jan Cavell is an entrepreneur from the UK who has a few decades of running micro and small businesses behind her. She's very familiar with all the challenges that go with that, having started one from the kitchen table when her children were small and she was a single mother to go on to build that into a multi-million turnover business. Jan has put together her entrepreneurial experiences with her passion for writing a book aimed at helping entrepreneurs to grow their businesses during the big leap of one to 10 million. The book is called Scale for Success and it's out in the UK from Bloomsbury with early July publication in the US and Australia. So Jan, welcome to the show. Candy, thank you so much for asking me on the show. It's great to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to this discussion that we're gonna have today. But before we get into the questions I have for you, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your background and how you even became interested in the discussion of scaling businesses. Of course, Candy. Well, I had only had very small businesses uh, to to really avoid going out to work type of businesses. Mm -hmm. But when I had my children, I was a single mom, as you so rightly said, and I needed to create a serious future for us all. So Mm -hmm. it became a a whole different ballgame. I wanted to do as much as I could for them and build us, open up possibilities for them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know 
virtually anything about scaling a business, let's be honest. I was thinking, shall I say much? But actually, much would be very kind to myself. I really didn't know much at all. Mm. Uh, so it was a question of trial and error. I was very sales-led, which was lucky. It was the one thing I would, that was very strong in my background. So actually, we did get uh, a good growth of orders. Mm. But the rest of it proved more than challenging. And so I learned a lot of hard lessons. I did go back uh, when the children were a little bit older and learned from a lot of other entrepreneurs uh, on, on courses and from their experience and from socialising with high growth entrepreneurs. And I found it absolutely fascinating. I became addicted to the topic. Uh-huh. But uh, by that time, of course, I was uh, with with my own business and, and having made a lot of mistakes in a business which was was good in some ways but had shaky foundations in others which is what happens if you don't plan but we I know we're going to talk about my 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 discoveries of of mistakes which were many along mm-hmm. the way as we go so so when I had more time on my hands I thought what can I do I was writing for a business publication over here called real business and I thought what can I do to help other entrepreneurs And most of all, it struck me that there were a lot of people I'd come across who were struggling with this particular growth spurt because it's a huge transformational time, that one to 10, give or take, depending Mm -hmm. on sector, leap of growth. And so I thought perhaps it would be a really good thing to do to be able to offer other business owners some help to to make that leap, Mm -hmm. which is what the book was all about. Fabulous. Well, I would love to start talking about, you know, the mistakes that are made. So what would be the first mistake that business owners may be making when they're trying to expand their business? Well, I think from teaching it, which I have, as, as I say, my one strength. So let's start off with, with where I'm very strong and that's sales and having done a lot of teaching sales. And I've also been involved in encouraging entrepreneurship over here on all sorts of ways, working for the government and what have you. And I find a lot of other entrepreneurs in early stage sort of startups or whatever come to me and say, you know, I've got this problem with sales because I've got this fabulous business idea, but nobody wants it. Mm. (laughs) And on exploration, you find that actually they think it's a fabulous idea, mm-hmm. but nobody does want to. Right. And that's because you thinking it's a fabulous idea or your friends and family thinking it's a fabulous idea or even you selling the odd bits to friends and family and people locally that you know is not the basis on which you can grow sales substantially. And you can even flail around and sell quite a few things in the early stages through sheer determination without that grounding. But in seriousness, I I remember I had one entrepreneur who came to me and she said she'd been in business for a year. And, you know, she obviously had a problem with her sales because Mm. she had yet to make a sale. Oh, wow. Seriously, you've been in After business a year. a year and you mm-hmm. haven't. Yes, but there's nothing wrong. My product is fabulous and she was not having it. But, you know, if, if you haven't managed to sell one in a year, there is a, a, a market gap between mm-hmm. what the market wants and what you're selling. Right. So how would you tell an entrepreneur to actually determine if that's a good fit? Like, 
Is there a way that they can survey people? Like what would be the way that they could go about to find out, is my product or service really needed? It's, it's research. I mean, sometimes you get hit by, you know, a wonderful bolt of lightning of a brainwave thinking, or, you know, quite often I find out it's from personal experience, but, you know, you're looking for something and you cannot find it anywhere and you mm-hmm. find that lots of other people have been looking for it too. But, you know, equally you might see a gap in the market, particularly with new opportunities opening up with pandemic. Mm-hmm. I know we've had a lot of tragedy and a lot of business desires but there are also new opportunities you know you might spot something or you think you spot something or as I say have a demand yourself but the only way to affirm that demand is by massive market research by some hard graft spending your spare time and your weekends talking to your prospective market online you know in person wherever they go and asking them and establishing what they actually want, what their pain points are, as Mm -hmm. as the expression goes. Mm -hmm. Would there be some market research companies that they might be able to reach out to, to even do that research for them? Absolutely. If you've got cash to spare, you can Mm -hmm. certainly do that. And there are more uh, surveys online, which are are cheaper these days, um, which is is wonderful, you know, anything from Mm -hmm. SurveyMonkey onwards. But I I think that's a help, but I don't think it's a total substitute Mm -hmm. because you can often peel back layers in chat. Right. You know, rather get like getting to know somebody, but you probably can't by, you know, people are, uh, will cooperate with yes, 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 no, 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 survey, <laughs> but uh, exactly. they won't necessarily put in the extra of actually, well, yes, that's true, but I was really stuck and much more concerned about this problem. Mm-hmm. So now someone knows like if their product actually has a demand and they want to, you know, be able to expand their business, what might be the second mistake that they would make? Absolutely. The second mistake, in in my opinion, is to struggle with sales and marketing. Firstly, you've got to make sure that your product is sufficiently different. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are really only two points of differential. One is way out there different and one is price. You know, you Mm -hmm. can be very cheap, which is fair enough. And that always creates a demand in itself to some extent, but you have to be mega cheap. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be different, you need to be very different. Unfortunately, people have caught on to this now and they come up with, oh, well, you know, I've got a slightly different logo. I've got, you know, purple on my paintwork or whatever. And that's my point of differential. That's not a point of differential. You know, you have got to be really original and be offering something Mm -hmm. that people want that they can't get. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So if someone doesn't quite have their skill for their marketing yet, what would you tell them that they can do to improve their sales skills? I think, I mean, I personally am I'm a fan of sales skills. I know where sales is sort of out of fashion, shall we say, particularly mm. in this country. I don't know how out of fashion it is in the States, but um, certainly over here, you know, everybody's leaping up and down going, oh, well, we've got marketing. We don't need sales anymore. Mm-hmm. Of course, we do. Okay. Um, we still need to understand our customers. Business to business sales very definitely needs sales skills. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, yes, some amount can be done on the web, but quite often you still need those sales skills. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a great believer in you know if need be get a get a side job that's face to face sales, um, you know even if it's a market stall for a few weeks, you know but get some experience actually dealing with customers, you know because mm-hmm. that's the greatest education ever of actually finding out how the customer's mind works. It goes back a little bit to what I was saying about I've got a great product, so obviously they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, the customer right. isn't, of course, interested in your great product. They're interested in their problem. Mm-hmm. And only, I think, by going out and dealing face-to-face with people to really get your head around that. Right. Um, or, or, if, or quickly get your head around that, but it might, be, <laughs> it might right. dawn on you more slowly in some other way. Right. So it's more talking about the benefits of your product or service yeah. rather than the features of the product or service. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's the emotions that will make people buy every time. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. So yeah. once they kind of get that part done, so they now know their market and now they've learned some selling skills, what might they be doing wrong after that? Well, there's always money, which, of course, comes into, you know, you can survive on a certain amount of sales money, cash flow Mm -hmm. wise, sometimes, depending on your business. It might be that you're generating lots of cash and, you know, you can buy for cash and buy in and sell out so you don't have a cash flow problem. Mm -hmm. You might. But for most businesses, you're going to have that issue of cash flow and money. Right. And. If anything, the pandemic should have taught us is we need a much bigger cash runway than mm-hmm. we thought we did. Right. You know, because anything can happen. And while you might be able to make changes, you've got to survive somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I have, a, I have a friend who promotes business lessons over here and he teaches wonderful courses. And, and they always say to people who come on their courses, avoid debt like your most annoying cousin. And I think <laughs> it's, it's a great line. And I know exactly what they mean because, you know, once you've got a debt, unless you're taking on a big debt, you know, a big debt because you've got a huge tech unicorn coming. Mm-hmm. The moment you've got a debt around your head, it you've got, far less room to negotiate right yeah that's um, very true if that's difficult especially Sorry. the personal you know debt or like credit card debt or things like that too because that definitely puts you in a very bad spot if you know things turn like obviously we've learned too that once in a while you need to bring on like a line of credit or something like that too mm-hmm. because you're expanding like right now we're talking about potentially expanding your business so if someone needs to buy equipment or things like that to be able to do that expansion, then that's often kind of a, a wise decision, even though it's debt, but, um, but most debt is not a good idea for sure. No, I think not. And I think, you know, if you're talking mm-hmm. about machinery and things, I, I you know, for, for something for gross funding like that, mm-hmm. I, I think invoice financing of some sort is, mm-hmm. is usually a great option because mm-hmm. at least you keep the debt in line with your right. growth. Well, you don't have any choice about it because we won't let you do otherwise, you know. So while it's expensive, if you do it short term for mm-hmm. a growth spurt, it can be a useful option right. rather than going to a bank and mortgaging your house. That's true. 
Why don't you explain that in a little bit more detail? Because some people may not understand what you mean about, you know, that, of course, we've called it here factoring too. I don't know if you've called it, but factoring you know, your we invoices. Do call it factoring or, too. Mm-hmm. I've, I've realized as I opened my mind, but of course, the system may be entirely different across, across in America. Mm-hmm. But over here, the system, and, and County will very kindly confirm with what I've said of similarities and differences afterwards, but whereby you make a contract uh, with a particular financing company and you sell them the invoices. The the deals vary Mm -hmm. per company, but essentially you sell them the invoices and they pay you a percentage of money the moment you raise the invoice so you don't have to wait for that cash flow problem. Mm And that's your only source of funding. They won't let you borrow from somewhere else. So you can't get into too much trouble because if you don't (laughs) do the sales, you don't get any money. So it focuses you quite well. But they do charge a whopping great percentage. So you don't Mm -hmm. want to do it for very long. Right. Yeah, we've seen that when, you know, sometimes a business just needs that extra little bit of infusion of cash and they'll do that. And and you're right, it can be a bit expensive. But if you're just doing it for, like you said, a short term, yeah. Um, then, you know, if it's an ongoing situation, you're giving away a lot of your revenue, you know, because of, yeah, you know, those fees. but mm-hmm. so besides the factoring, though, are there other things you recommend for business owners to improve their cash flow? Yeah, I think, you know, it's again, sort of speaking about business context, I have another one who specializes in procurement. Now, the mere word procurement, he says quite rightly, and he, his company does a, a, teaches a lot of it, makes entrepreneurs immediately glaze over. You know, entrepreneurs don't like all the what they think of as boring bits of business on yeah. the whole. They don't like the systems. They don't like supply chains. It's all tedious. They want to get on and make plans and sell and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But they don't want to get bogged down in that. But they are so missing a trick. You know, actually getting the right supply chain, you know, is uh, essential for your business, whatever your business is. It Mm -hmm. It may be your supply chain of subcontracted people. And it may be your supply chain of goods and services if you're manufacturing or whatever. But your supply, you're, you're only as good as your supply chain. Right. And it should be a partnership. You know, that's what people overlook. They think it's, oh, well, I'm going to dole out some money, which I wish I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, these tasks and people are going to chase me next Thursday for a payment and, you know, all together, we hate them really. <laughs> Whereas actually, if you work with your suppliers properly, right. you should be in it together and building a great future together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be in their best interest to give you the best deals, to help your business, to be a part of your business mm-hmm. and, and support you in every way they possibly can do. And that's that's... Uh, something that a lot of people overlook is really using their supply chain as as a business asset. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Business relationships are extremely important in all aspects, not just your customer relationships, but vendors as well. But if someone is starting a business and they don't necessarily know where to go to even kind of get their supply chain in order, like how would you recommend they find those right vendors for them to actually be that supply chain? It, it is difficult, of course, when you're starting out and nobody wants to give you any credit and is not that interested in your business or anything mm-hmm. else. Um, so it is a big challenge when you're starting out. But I think uh, 
local chambers, and I, and I think you do have a similar system mm-hmm. in the States. Yeah. I think networking within your sector and word of mouth, check people out, check their Google reviews. That's what they're there for. Though, of course, bear in mind that people will leap on and give a bad review far quicker than they'll leap on and give a good one, That's which true. is where good word of mouth often is much better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cha- chambers and word of mouth, I think, are a good place to start. And, and hopefully, and LinkedIn, you can often get introductions that way through any of those three to somebody who will be open to giving you a helping hand when you're first starting. Right. I think even people that are in your own industry, sometimes if you don't have a relationship yet, you might be able to develop one that's, you know, someone maybe even as a mentor. Um, But a lot of times people are afraid to go to who they perceive as their competition. But often you're serving a different market, especially if you're just starting out, you're probably serving a different market than they are. So they might even be willing to give a few tips. Definitely. You know, even if they're serving the same market they may Mm -hmm. have complementary strengths you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right and you know people are not necessarily your enemy they understand that you're in business they're in business and you know you could be useful to each other Mm -hmm. you know but but, I mean that's not to say don't be wary because there are sharks out there um, right and they they might eat you for breakfast if the opportunity arose but Mm -hmm. equally they can be a source of innate wisdom as well Mm -hmm. So once they kind of have that in place too, now they've got their cash, you know, kind of where it needs to be and they can make some investments in their business, then what might be the fourth mistake that they would make when trying to scale their business? I think, um, uh, where have we got to? I think probably people is, is if, if, if the biggest mistake that people mm. have with business in many ways because we all make hiring mistakes and that can be so detrimental to business. Mm -hmm. And I think not allowing perhaps a really serious priority to finding the right people Mm -hmm. is, is, it's so easy to leave it and firefight. And when I've absolutely got to get somebody, I will. Mm-hmm. You know, because we think we don't want to spend the money and it's going to take time. And why do it until we're sure? And sure tends to mean when we're actually gone without sleep for the third night running. And, you know, you can't find good people like that. Mm-hmm. It takes time to find a really good fit, fit with really good skill sets. And you're far better to actually build it into your cash flow. Mm-hmm. And say to yourself, well, you know, I know I will need somebody by next March. So I'm going to say I may end up finding Marley by December. So I'm going to build that extra three months salary into my cash flow. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I've got three more months to find them. But, you know, that saves me from a disastrous hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really, really important uh, yeah. because, it, it can do so much damage. I've seen wrong people really rip the shreds out of a business. Mm-hmm. It's hard though. It's, you know, you might even recommend, you know, having somebody else help with a lot of that because finding the right people, reading resumes, doing interviews, all of that, sometimes, especially if you're a sole owner trying to do everything, wearing like 25 hats, you know, like you said, they might just rush through the process where if you can have someone else assisting 
with going through the resumes or doing the phone interviews first or something like that, it can help because then they're giving you the best candidates and then you can kind of go from there. I mean, that's what I found for me now is working because I have someone who can assist looking through the things, doing that phone interview, asking for, you know, the references, checking references too. And I can also, you know, check some of the references, but that's been helpful for me. But again, that's a really good point. Checking references is crucial. And of course, again, if you're firefighting, you think, oh, I will do it. But, you know, they can start on Monday. So in they come. And then, you know, three months mm-hmm. later, you think if only I'd check the references. And sure enough, you find that they were booted out for uh, mm-hmm. gross misconduct or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can definitely get rid of uh, automate in some way, either a human or a, sort of an apple or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, to definitely cut down on the volume of um, CVs you get because uh, these days it can be fast, not least uh, partly because of unemployment, but also because, of course, we've got a global talent pool now. So, you know, Mm -hmm. tech has opened up the world. Mm -hmm. So if you're advertising a job, you know, you can easily have a applicant, you know, coming in from, Sri Lanka or Australia or England or wherever. Right. Uh, and, and so you've got the whole world applying for your job. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's absolutely panic-worthy and, and laying down some absolute criteria of they've got to be uh, keyboard-fast f- or um, tech-savvy or, or speak, speak good uh, English or whatever is is vital for your business mm-hmm. but you're allowed to stipulate um, you know it's is something that can very easily be cut down and you do suddenly lose three quarters of the applicants mm-hmm. because people apply for jobs that they're not qualified for right. or, or they're not willing you know they will write you and say I know it's a full-time job but you know can I do job share and have two days a week and if that doesn't suit your business However brilliant they are, it's not a good idea to take them on. You know, right. a, you need the right person for you. Mm-hmm. So obviously we were talking how important it is to really, you know, take your time and find the right person. But how do you even make sure that you're hiring the right candidate? Like, do you have like a checklist you could recommend or what would you tell someone, especially if they've never hired before? How do you know who to hire for that position? It's it's something that uh, it, it's funny when I when I speak to entrepreneurs. I don't invite you. I find a lot of subjects everybody agrees on, and some some subjects people disagree on. And hiring tends to vary as to how much people rely on their gut or not at all in hiring. You know, I think in almost inevitably in a small company you're going to have some sort of chemical reaction to another person face to face Mm. as to whether you feel you're going to get on with them Mm -hmm. it's going to play a part but also I think it's important to test test all the skills you need Mm -hmm. because again unfortunately people will say they can do x y and z when they can't true (laughs) I'm not sure I haven't done it myself but anyway we'll gloss over that but it's true people do you know they're desperate Mm -hmm. for a job but you can't afford it as a small business Mm -hmm. I also think you you know it is worth considering psychometric testing Mm -hmm. you know which is an expensive investment but if you're looking for somebody really important that's going to drive your business forward it, it does tell you a great deal about how they work Mm -hmm. 
you know, so it can be a, a worthwhile investment. Is there a specific one you recommend? Because of course I've heard there's so many of them out there. Uh, you know, is there like one or two that you really highly prefer over others? And if so, like, why would that be? I, I have to say, I, I, I have used two in my time. One is Myers-Briggs, obviously, which mm-hmm. is uh, the, one, probably the best known. Uh, I suppose actually I've used three. Though one is stretching it, but it's jolly useful, so I'll share it with you. Myers-Briggs is great, but it's it's very complicated, and you almost need a specialist to disentangle it for you. I used one which my HR practice supplied, which often they will do, uh, and they will have a deal on whoever they use, which has its merits because you then have somebody else responsible for the choice. <laughs> Uh, and I also used for a really simple answer, and this is recommending a different author, but there's an English author called Nigel Risner. And he write, he's written a book called It's a Zoo Out There. Hmm. And it's very, very simple to use, but it, it follows the, in, in many ways the basic Myers-Briggs, and you will be astounded by how much of an insight it gives you into people's character mm. through two or three minutes time in an interview. I, I mean, I nearly always used it. Uh, and also it helps you with how to understand the way you deal with them in the same way as Myers-Briggs will. Mm-hmm. For example, some people will be much more sensitive than others. You know, some people you just have to throw it in their face, what you mean? Whereas others, you have to go very gently and, mm-hmm. you know, be, be kind to them. And, you know, Myers-Briggs or even something as simple as, as the investment of it's a zoo around here, which is the one I was adding in at the last moment as a bit of inspiration, you know, it might cost you six or seven dollars for the book. But it will give you a lot of insight on onto how to communicate with them. And of course, communication mm-hmm. is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. That's so important. So is there a fifth mistake then that business owners make when they're trying to grow? Yes, there is. Um, and I think that comes back to something I was saying early on. And that's drifting into growth, which mm-hmm. is what I did because I was strong sales-wise. I just happily assumed, well, this is great. I'll go on selling. <laughs> and I didn't realize that there was more to growth than that, mm. that you actually need all those other things. You need the right people. You need the supply chains, et cetera, et cetera. You need systems boring as they may or may not be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you, you know, you actually have to have a business that is growth suitable and that mm-hmm. you prepare, and that takes time. And all the businesses I have seen, and I have seen so many now, who get stuck at this stage, and some of them just get stuck and bounce, 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 bounce in that uh, early multi-millions. Some slide back and become lifestyle businesses again, and some just give up ghost and, and, and give up altogether. But whichever they do, they've almost certainly got stuck because they haven't strategized and allowed a couple of years of getting ready for the Mm -hmm. big push of growth if you want to grow bigger you can only go up to a certain stage with a small group with you doing a lot of the work with two or three people 
you know, and and after that, you're you're creating an independent entity of which mm. is your business, but it's separate from you, which in itself is hard to take because it's your baby. <laughs> uh, you know, it's something that actually will stand on its own, have a value on its own, and that might go on without you at some point. Mm-hmm. But creating that takes time, and you yeah. don't want to be trying to run it when it's not ready to be like that. Mm-hmm. So strategy, 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 and planning. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's a really good point too, because a lot of times people just think, oh, if I could just grow, you know, it would be great. But there is when you're growing too fast and you can't keep up with it, you don't have capacity or, you know, the people Mm -hmm. or the systems in place or whatever that is. So I think people should be aware. Yes, you want to grow, but you don't want to have it like way too big for, you know, what you can really do or your quality isn't going to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or, or your suppliers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay buying from a local store if you're only doing X turnover, you know, it's not going to be economic if you, you know, are going to triple that or, mm-hmm. you know, every, every little bit of it changes. And right. people, most of all, uh, you know, are your people keen on growing, you know, but kind of going back to the people problem, that's something that so often happens that actually your original team who find a, a, a startup very jolly and not too much pressure and loads of fun don't want to be part of something huge with lots mm. of systems and very organized and you've got to either re-team or you're you're out of sync with the team which is disaster mm-hmm. or whatever everything changes and right. you can do it with preparation but don't mm-hmm. drift so do you have some ideas for people then to better prepare for that growth, you know, and what is maybe a timeline for how long they need to be preparing before the growth actually happens? Is there, you know, information on that that you could share? Definitely. I think the the first thing is you, you actually yourself want to be jolly sure that it's what you want hmm. because you are creating a thing that is separate from you. Mm-hmm. we tend to all hear that growing our business is a jolly good thing and so which is one of the reasons we all fall into this trap of, of growing one come what may without preparation but it may not actually suit you you know mm. quite often you may have a really profitable little business a lovely lifestyle have a whale of a time working with your friends mm-hmm. and growing is a really bad idea you know because it's it's not going to work very well for you and and why do it if you're happy mm-hmm. right so you know, don't swallow hook, line, and sink the story, but growth is wonderful. Firstly, mm-hmm. take a month, a couple of months, whatever, assessing why, I'm, why, why do I think this is a good idea? What do I want out of it? What's my end game going to be? Because mm-hmm. if you're growing something to that sort of size, it's going to be an independent entity. How are you going to get rid of it? If you change your mind, if your life changes. Right. How are you going to get out of it? Is it going to be sellable? Consider all those facts before you create a monster that hangs around your neck like a dead weight. Right. And I think really honestly looking at what it's going to take for you to have that business, you know, your time that you're investing in the business. I think there's, you know, always this kind of ideal that like, oh, well, I'm going to have this business, but I can be out and I could be golfing. I could be doing, you know, and I have this business that runs on its own, but that takes a lot of work to get to that point and it's not going to happen right away. 
No, it's it very rarely happens actually <laughs> in a growing business. The mm-hmm. people I know who have successfully created that sort of life are people who have grown a business fast and extremely dedicatedly and sold it and mm-hmm. are using that sale money to have a well of a time and a well of a life. But not on the whole while you're growing a business. I think that is on the whole a fallacy, whatever people would have you believe, I am afraid. But I know I'm at odds with some people over that, you know, right. because there are a lot of people who make a living of saying it's, you know, of course you can do it and you can have a wonderful life and get terribly rich, but I don't think so. That's the case. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not just a nine to five job either. You know, you're going to no. probably dream about it. I do. I have dreams about the business. <laughs> I think about Absolutely. it a lot, yeah. you know, so... You live and breathe it, you know, Uh and you've got to be sure you want to do that. That's part of the being sure. You know, when it's small enough, you know, you can take the afternoon off and say, come on, it's sunny today, you know, let's all of us toddle off and, you know, we'll make up a time on Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can't do that with a big business Mm -hmm. or a bigger growing business. You know, you've got commitments and restrictions and it's almost like the restrictions that you, 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 got away from when you stop working with somebody else you take some of those restrictions back again as you grow Mm -hmm. so are there any other strategies or advice that you want to share with someone who's still after hearing all this is still saying yes I want to scale my business (laughs) absolutely I mean you know it I the last thing I want to do is is put anybody off you know we need businesses to scale they create Mm -hmm. other jobs it's exciting and it's brilliant and it will give you a fantastic life uh as I say in in my experience a lot of the people who've done it successfully have done it for maybe 10 years and then sold and have a very very nice life indeed uh, and lifestyle or some go on and start something else or invest Mm -hmm. in others or whatever but you know they have created that home life and freedom and time to spend with their family that they always dreamt of so there's but you have with the dedication wow do you get rewards absolutely (laughs) but but be prepared for what it takes Mm -hmm. yeah very good point so I mentioned in your bio that you wrote a book. So can you just tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote that book? I did. Absolutely. I've written Scale for Success because of, of what I, I got to realize that was this common stumbling block of growth this this transition period. And I, I desperately wanted to get to alert as many people as possible to it because I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people realize that you know I think a lot of people think oh I'll sell more is growth is clever and without overanalyzing it mm-hmm. so uh, you know that was for thinking behind it I had a lot of help and I was very privileged to work with some amazing entrepreneurs across the world on the book including some from America and all of them give their expertise and tell their stories and talk about a particular subject. So the whole thing makes up um, what one of them can't refer to as a business MA, but it's in very read- readable terms because mm-hmm. they're fascinating people. And, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, hopefully that anybody can dip into it, read the bits that suit them and get an awful lot out of it whatever stage their business is at, actually. Mm-hmm. But hopefully it will also pe- help people think, what are they doing with this planning and growing and the big phase of 
Wonderful. So I would love for you to just tell the listeners and how they can get in contact with you and also where they can find your book and when it becomes available in the United States. I know we said it was July, but you know, just how people can reach out to you. Absolutely. I, I would love to hear from anybody who's listening. If you've got a question, don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, my website is jamcavell.co.uk. And my email's on there, but it's also jan at jancavell.co.uk. So that's pretty simple. I'm on all the usual social media, particularly LinkedIn and Twitter, but I've got a very small presence on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. All, all of which are easy to find because there are not many Jan Cavells around. So, so please get in touch with me, whatever way suits you. Book-wise... Uh, it isn't out, it sort of isn't out in the States. It's available in Kindle now, and okay. so you can get it that way. And it's available for pre-order in the States. You can get it through, uh, in, if you prefer the hardback copy, you can get it through Amazon, through Barnes & Noble, through various other outlets, some of which I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I think they're all on my website. But any any good bookshop, because Bloomsbury sell to everywhere, um, then mm. I, every, any good bookshop should supply you. But for okay, now, perfect. it's one of the easiest and most straightforward approaches. Perfect. And why don't you go ahead and spell your last name in case anyone wants to find Absolutely. you, but they're not sure how to spell it. <laughs> Wise advice. It's I'm Jan, J-A-N, and the surname is C-A-V. E-double-L-E, Cavell. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I know this was an interesting topic to cover and hopefully very helpful for the listeners. So thank you. I hope so, Candy. It was a pleasure. And I want to thank the listeners also for tuning in today. Again, I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions regarding scaling up a business. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Jan at any of the links that she shared. Or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. I hope you can join us for next week's topic, Drive Success by Doing Good at Work. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. And remember, you can find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to This Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.